in order to dramatize it, in order to make it relevant to today, you know, there are certain musicality cho- choices we make or technology choices or style choices that we make that, you know, meet people where they're at today. I like to say this about Sight and Sound Theaters is we know who we are, we know who we're not, we're storytellers for Christ, and that's what we'll stay. And we need to engage the world around us with truth. There's fake news in the political world, according to President Trump. There's fake news in the theological world, too. We've made our way to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. This is the NRB 2020. I'm Byron Tyler. So glad you have time to stop by and join us and experience this. I'm actually coming to you with the show today from the Exhibition Hall of the NRB. And there's literally people just kind of walking all around us right now. There's a little snack area where you get coffee and and refreshments just beside us here. We found a little table to rest and to visit with folks. It's just always great to be here at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention to get on track, get on purpose to realize what we have in common is broadcasters proclaiming the greatest message ever told, that of Jesus Christ, the hope that Jesus Christ provides. So thankful at Bot Radio Network to be part of getting the message out through radio, but you know, there's also television, there's also other social media being used to get the message out. And we're also thankful for our ministry partners. We get a chance to refresh in those relationships when we come up here to the NRB each year. One of our longtime ministry friends is Sight and Sound Theaters. That's where the Bible comes to life. They have beautiful theater in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and also in Branson, Missouri. And we're privileged today to have two fine folks from this organization. Josh Inc., who is president. Josh, I mean, you and your brother-in-law are actually the senior leadership of Sight and Sound now. Josh Inc. has been with us before. We're also thankful to have Katie Miller, who's also been a guest. She's helped us when we were in Lancaster and making sure that we had an opportunity to experience the VIP tour, the behind the scenes of what makes Sight and Sound happen. But hey guys, welcome to Byte Radio. Welcome here to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Byron, thank you so much for having us. We appreciate you being here. We're always excited to be here. Thank you. Well, Josh, so much to talk about. A lot of exciting things are are happening now. First of all, you grew a beard since the last time I've seen you. (laughs) I did. I grew a beard. And it's whiter than I thought it would be. So, but, uh, but it's sticking. My wife likes it, so I guess it'll stay. Does this mean you're going to be participating in an upcoming production? No, I don't think that I'll be gracing the stage anytime soon, Byron. I'll stay behind the scenes. I know you could be out there on stage. Uh, so much talent that, that you have. And you and I have something in common because of the creative side of, of production. And I'm not a stage guy, but we have a common interest in photography and videography, and I, I love that. But you and your brother-in-law, as I mentioned, uh, are overseeing the operation. But there is an incredible staff of committed, professional, and really greater than that, people who love Christ and want to be part of his team. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I I cannot brag enough about our 750 employees. Uh, That is something that, um, in the right way, very proud of uh, serving alongside of them. Uh, It takes 750-plus people to pull off these shows. It takes three and a half years to produce these original stage productions. Uh, You mentioned my brother-in-law, Matt. He's the CEO. And, uh, you know, we build a culture where our employees uh, have such a tremendous experience, hopefully, that uh, it comes out in in who they are and their work, and then the guests get to experience an atmosphere where Christ is honored while we're producing the show and when they're seeing the show. Katie, this is really an incredible story because this started with a dairy farmer, <laughs> Glenn Eshelman, walking out on the pasture land of this prayer land, just praying, God, I just want to offer this to you. And we see today from that prayer of faith, 
We see the Ministry of Sight and Sound with the theater there in Branson, as I mentioned, in Lancaster. And so how many people each year come to Sight and Sound? We have um, over about a one and a half million people that we welcome through our doors every year. And um, it be- continues to blow our minds away, I think, from our uh, days of small beginnings 43 years ago, um, all the way to now having two locations and um, these Fathom events for the last couple of years, and the opportunity that we have to continue to take the stories beyond our borders of the two locations that we have. Well, the experience that you give your guests is something that always stands out to me, because when I walk in, it's just like you, you feel at home. It's so inviting. It's warm. You make people feel at home and relaxed. Yeah, for us, the experience begins from the very moment they first pull onto the driveway. And we want it to be more than them coming and just watching a show that happens. We want it to be a full experience for them and their families, that they can uh, make memories together, that even though there's 2,000 people coming in and out of our doors at a time uh, in the large theater that we have, uh, that it doesn't matter that each individual person and each individual experience is uh, just as equally important. Well, you know, when I took that VIP tour, one of the things I learned is is you're very conscious of those guests who come in and have a seat. You have this computer software program that lets you see from every vantage point, every detail is taken into consideration. Oh, my goodness, we do. And it takes that's why it takes so long to produce these shows because, you know, okay, first thing is it starts with the Word of God. It starts with the, the story itself. And uh, we want to immerse ourselves into that story and try and discover, you know, what innovative ways can we tell that story? What can we do that will emphasize the message that's already embedded in that story? A story that's been changing lives for thousands of years before we got our hands on it. And so we use technology and innovation in a way that brings the Bible to life, immerses audiences, and there's not a bad seat in the house. Uh, it's a 2070-seat theater in two locations, and we wrap the entire audience with the experience. The Jesus production, specifically, we use technology that we've never used before. The world's largest flying LED screen is used as a backdrop, so the motion and movement of the backdrop with the motion and movement of the set pieces and then the cast downstage of it it created this world that even surprised us. Like, we thought we knew what we were going to get, but then when we saw it for the first time back in 2018 when it premiered, it was a whole nother level. Wow. And we're excited to see that now translated to the big screen with Fathom events, yes, yes. April 7, 9, and 11. And this gives people a whole new experience, Katie, because many who have not actually had opportunity to travel to Branson or to Lancaster for a sight and sound production now are getting opportunity in their local theaters all across America to be able to go and see these amazing productions on the big screen. We are passionate about these Bible stories, and we're passionate about uh, continuing to extend the experience beyond our two locations. And so uh, this is our fourth time taking a filmed version of one of our shows into movie theaters. And um, throughout the last couple of years since we've started this new initiative, it has just been overwhelming to hear from guests about their own experience. Uh, One of my favorite letters was from a woman that now lives in Seattle, and she said, "Um, I grew up going to Sight and Sound. I grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I went to see Noah with my parents and grandparents, and I have all these warm memories. And so when I heard that Noah was coming to my movie theater, I couldn't help but take my own kids. And she said it was such, her letter just um, 
touched me so much because she said it felt like coming home. I got to have this experience without having to go all the way back to the East Coast. So thank you so much for the opportunity to like make new memories with my own kids. And that's why we're doing this. Like we want, uh, you know, Josh often says this. I'm going to steal your line, Josh. But he often says we cannot take credit for these stories. They've been changing lives for thousands of years. And that is how we feel about them. We get the opportunity to tell them. And we want to do everything that we can to continue to extend them out um, as much as we possibly can. And Josh, one of the challenges is to be accurate to the Bible, you know, which I know you're very committed to. Yeah, no, but that's of utmost importance to us. You know, we create fictional... Uh, characters at times or situations, but all of that is to honor and emphasize the, the truth that's already there. You know, we don't go at these productions with a specific uh, agenda necessarily at all. It's really to be as honoring and truthful to the scriptures as we can. But in order to dramatize it, in order to make it relevant to today, you know, there are certain musicality cho- choices we make or technology choices or style choices that we make that, you know, meet people where they're at today. And, um, you know, I, I like to say this about Sight and Sound Theaters is uh, we know who we are. We know who we're not. We're storytellers for Christ, and that's what we'll stay. Yeah. You have a new production getting ready to be released in Lancaster, Esther. Is that right? We do. So on March 14th, uh, we premiere, world premiere of Queen Esther. And uh, it's a story that we've been, wanting, we've been wanting to tell for a very long time. And the technology innovation that's into that story is so different than what it was for the Jesus show in that you are surrounded by the whole city of Susa the entire time. And it's like a big dollhouse with all these interchangeable yes. scenes and whatnot. But it's the heart of the title character, Esther, that really shines. Well, as you mentioned, March 14th is the premiere of Queen Esther in Lancaster. How far back? When did you start working? When did the idea originate? And from that point, from the origination, okay, we're going to do Esther, when that was decided, how long has it taken you to get this to stage? It takes almost four years to produce any of our shows. And so it is an immense undertaking where all 700 of our employees come together bringing their gifts, their talents together to write and produce our shows. And so there's a lot of prayer that goes into choosing what show is going to be next. Our production teams, our story teams, you know, start exploring what shows they have energy around, what they feel they could get passionate for, what they feel like the Lord is laying on their hearts, what stories they want to tell. They bring it to our leadership team and some of our other team members as well. We come together, we pray about it. And at the end of the day, you know, we continually put this ministry as a whole into the Lord's hands and we're asking him to order our steps to guide our path ahead of us Um, and he does that whether it's in the small details or something as big as choosing what story we're going to stage next. When it comes to casting for the different parts do you just pick from those people who are actors in part of the other productions or are there times that you have to maybe do a casting call and bring people from the outside to come in? We have a full-time casting uh, director who is uh, boots on the ground in different cities throughout the nation recruiting talent some people have been homegrown. There's some people that have been there for a very long time, but then we have uh, brand new people from different part of the country. So we have casting calls every year. In fact, if people out there listening right now would be interested in auditioning for one of our shows, they can go to site-sound.com to get more information. So we've got Esther coming March 14th, and that's at Lancaster as you premiere that. And then, as you mentioned, Noah is coming back to stage in Branson. Yes, and it's Noah's 25th anniversary this year. He's celebrating a birthday. (laughs) Uh, We first premiered Noah in Lancaster, Pennsylvania in 1995. It's been experienced live on stage by over 5 million people throughout the last 25 years. And so to have it back on stage in Branson this year for its 25th anniversary is just, it feels very special. Just to describe 
Noah, Josh. I mean, when you're there, you're actually taking a boat ride inside the ark. The ark wraps around the stage, so you're getting a three-dimensional feel. You're seeing animatronics are incredible, whether it be the giraffe or, you know, the elephant. No, you can't march an elephant, you know, in the theater. So you have this incredible animatronics. I mean, on par with anything Disney would do in that quality. Of course, you have a mixture with live animals with animatronics. Right, yeah. You know, it's funny. We get letters of our guests uh, telling us that we have elephants in the ark. Like, they're not asking. They're saying, you do have elephants live in the ark. And so, you know, it's always fun to have the guests take such ownership over their experience and the brand of Sight and Sound. And we have such incredible guests that keep coming back year after year. But uh, Noah was the show uh, in 1995 that really did put Sight and Sound on the map. It was so innovative at the time. Our founder, Glenn Eshelman, was a, a pioneer. He was a visionary, an entrepreneur, and he had an original way to portray that story. Credit to him and his faith in the Lord and the team at Sight and Sound that we can keep bringing that show back on stage after 25 years, and it's still powerful. It's still speaking the message that Glenn had set out to put into it years ago. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having time to stop here with Bot Radio Network and just talking about the new exciting Queen Esther coming to Lancaster and I'm sure within the next year maybe two years it'll make its way to Branson and eventually it'll make its way to the big screen so people have something to look forward to go ahead if you would and give us the website so if we want to learn more about upcoming events uh, behind the scenes stuff and how we can be in contact with Sight and Sound. The best way to get all the information about all the different things we have happening this year is to go to our website at sight-sound.com Thank you so much, uh, Katie. Josh, God bless you. Thank you for what you both do for Christ's kingdom. Thanks so much for being our guest today on Bot Radio. Byron, thank you so much. We're always happy to be a part of what Bot's up to. Thank you, thank you. Well, friends, we're going to continue our time here in Nashville with other guests, so just hang around. We've got some more coming up. As we continue meeting some fine folks here at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee, we've got the former president of the NRB, Frank Wright, here with us. Frank, it is so good to see you. You were walking by here as we were just here at the exhibition hall. I was trying to avoid <laughs> avoid making eye contact with you, Byron, but uh, I couldn't get away, so here I am. You trapped me. Well, you know, last time I saw you was back in Memphis. Mr. Bott, I think you came in town for an event with him. and Yes. Oh, that's been a while, though, I believe. It has been a while. I want to just catch up a second and find out what's happening since you have stepped out of the position of the president of the NRB and some of the paths and direction that God's taken you. Well, let's go back 25 years. I started on Capitol Hill 25 years ago this year with Dr. D. James Kennedy leading a ministry that I founded there called the Center for Christian Statesmanship, still operating on the Hill today. From the Center for Christian Statesmanship, which is an outreach ministry to members of Congress and their staff, gospel ministry. I came from there to the NRB. So I started with Dr. Kennedy. Well, I started his church 40 years ago, but I started working for him 25 years ago. I came from there to the NRB and I was president here for 11 years. And then I got sick of all these people. I just couldn't take it anymore. So I had to get out of here. No, it's a wonderful collection of God's people, the body of Christ, committed to elevating the gospel of Christ and serving the kingdom of God, and it's a wonderful, wonderful organization. But I felt called to uh, kind of wrap my time up here and make room for another leadership team to come in. So I'm back in Fort Lauderdale working for Dr. Kennedy once again. Of course, now since then, Dr. Kennedy has now gone home to be with the Lord, 
but I am the president and CEO of D. James Kennedy Ministries based in Fort Lauderdale. We produce radio, television, digital media programs, as well as do leadership training for people considering running for public office. Through our D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Statesmanship, we prepare people through intensive three-week training to have a biblical worldview and an understanding of constitutional governance before they run. And we have six graduates of our training running for Congress in this cycle, in 2020. So we're very excited about that. Dr. Kennedy was always about proclaiming the gospel and equipping God's people for service. In the early days, that was equipping them to do evangelism through his ministry evangelism explosion. Exactly. You know, let me tell you a quick story there, if I may. I remember the late Adrian Rogers, who was my former pastor for almost 30 years, and he was in an event, think the same event that Dr. Kennedy was at, in Washington meeting with the president at that time. I don't recall which one it was, but I remember that as they exited the White House and were making their way to the airport, they both shared a taxi cab together. It was at that point that Adrian Rogers witnessed D. James Kennedy witnessed through Evangelism Explosion, which he had never seen before. And when he saw that, he said, I want that program in my church. Did you know that story? I didn't know that story, but I'll tell you, Byron, it's one of many, many stories about Dr. Kennedy. He was a lifestyle evangelist. He shared Christ with everyone. A pastor in my church in Virginia said to me, you know, I saw Dr. Kennedy at the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in America, whatever city that was in. And in the conference hotel, he said, I saw him getting, getting his shoes shined one morning. And I wanted to go over and introduce myself. And I got over there and I got close enough. I realized he was sharing the gospel with the shoeshine guy. So I waited until he finished before I talked to him. But that was Dr. Kennedy. He was a lifestyle evangelist. And so, but he also believed strongly in equipping people with the mind of Christ through the word of God to engage the culture around us. He used to say, Jesus established his church like a great train running on two parallel rails, and both rails are pointed in the same direction. They're pointed at the kingdom of God. The one rail is the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The other rail is to engage the culture with the Word of God, to be a witness for Christ with what the Apostle Paul called the mind of Christ, in medicine, law, education, community services, business, and yes, government and politics as well. So Dr. Kennedy was one that believed that the body of Christ needed to be engaging the world around it with the gospel, but also engaging the institutions of the world and its cultures with the mind of Christ. And so, as you can tell by looking at the world around us today, that's needed even more than ever. The church is become timid, it's losing its witness, and losing that sense of engagement in broader culture. You know, Frank, something else too, uh, time to time we have to go back and get a booster shot from the doctor, you know, to boost certain immunizations against disease. One of the things I'm picking up here at this year's NRB convention is a booster shot to focus that we have as national religious broadcasters is the gospel of Jesus Christ and not getting off track of that, but at the same time engaging the culture that surround us, whatever we do for the glory of Christ. Now, that's exactly true. We are at a place now where everything in our lives argues against or works against the engagement with the world that Christians should have. We're too busy. We're way too busy. We don't have time 
to even serve our local church. And quite frankly, we're a little too prosperous, too. It was 300 years ago that one of the Puritan preachers said, Christianity is the mother of prosperity. He was talking about free market system and how the Protestant work ethic, you know, if you followed it and you followed the teachings of Christ about being, a, you know, a faithful servant to the, you know, whoever you're working for, and you'll prosper. God will prosper you. And then that pre- same preacher said, but today the child is devouring the mother. Oh my. Christianity is the mother of prosperity. Today the prosperity is devouring the church. That was 300 years ago. How much more is that true today? In the Western world, we may not feel rich, but travel the world, and trust me, you realize that every poor person in America is four times richer than the average person in Africa. And so the prosperity that we have also keeps us sort of in a place of stasis and focusing too much on our own needs and our own welfare. Yes. And then thirdly, we're at a place where the rising opposition to the Word of God has now reached a critical mass, where 35 or 40 or 50 years ago, the opposition to the church sounded like this. No, no, no. Christianity's wrong. It's wrong. The Bible's not accurate, mistranslated. Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. It was a spiritual resurrection. It's just wrong. Nobody argues that on that side anymore. What they say today is Christianity is evil. Christianity is wicked. It's wrong. It's something that we need to stop. So in the echo of that kind of rhetoric, you can hear the persecution of the church coming. So with those three factors mitigating against us being involved, we really need that booster shot you were talking about in the form of stopping and saying, Christ saved me, and here I stand. What should I be doing now? I should be serving my local church, but I should also be serving my neighbor, you know, loving your neighbor as as yourself. And I should be proclaiming the Word of God. The Apostle called it the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. And we need to stand on the promises of Christ that His Word will not return to Him void. And we need to engage the world around us with truth. There's fake news in the political world, according to President Trump. There's fake news in the theological world, too. Well, as we talk about the culture and the diversity of culture with all the different philosophies that we see, one thing gets talked about is how divided we are as a people. But with even in the church and even to where we are right today here at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, there's division among us. It's the same problem that we saw in the Garden of Eden. When you think about the sin of Adam and Eve, you know, we know the narrative. God said you can eat of any tree in the garden except for that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that tree you shall not eat. If you know the Hebrew, and I don't know a lot, but I read the works of those who do, the description of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the Hebrew construction is that's talking about all knowledge, including moral knowledge and moral precepts. What Adam and Eve did was to say, I don't want God to be the authority over me. I want to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I want to then make my own choices. I want to decide which moral precepts apply to me. That's what they did then. That's exactly what's going on now. It's a question 
of authority. Yes. The greatest question of our time is, to what authority will you submit your heart and your mind and your life? And if it's not to the Word of God, as revealed to us, then your life is going to be a mixed bag of confusion. Total chaos. Total chaos. Yep. And if you're going to go like our friends in the homosexual community do and go into the Bible and pick a verse here and there and try to use that to justify their sin, uh, that's, that's the age-old problem of selective interpretation. For example, the liberal evangelicals will say Sodom wasn't destroyed because of homosexual sin. It was destroyed because they were inhospitable and they didn't take care of their poor. And they point to a verse in Ezekiel 16 that says, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She was prideful and arrogant, and she neglected the poor. And if you stop right there, you go, wow, I guess they have a really good argument. But the next verse is, the very next verse says, and they did an abomination before me, and when I saw it, I took them away. Their sin is clear in the scriptures, but people will go through the scriptures and try to find something to justify what they want to do. We want to sugarcoat them. Yeah, exactly. And it's a question that every believer has to ask themselves today. Am I in submission to the Word of God? Am I in submission to the full counsel of God? Not just the stuff that I'm comfortable with. You know, am I in submission to Christ? It's a question of authority, and then it becomes a question of discipleship. That's where we are. The church is the big problem today. The church is self-censoring itself. Outsiders are criticizing us for holding biblical views, and so we kind of shrink back like little shrinking violets, and we get timid, and we go, well, we don't want to say anything about that because it might offend somebody. Well, we know the Apostle Paul stood up to Herod. It cost him ultimately his life. And the cross of Christ is an offense. Yes. According to the Scripture. So we're at a pivotal time in America, in the world, really, because America impacts the entire world. What's in the crosshairs today is the church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. Don't point your finger at the government and say the government's out of control. Of course it is. The government's out of control because it's run by sinful men and women who have a tendency to justify their own existence. And every new government program is to prove we need more government. And of course, all that's true. The problem today is the people of God are not obeying the Great Commission, and the cultural mandate to engage the world around them with the mind of Christ. Dr. Frank Wright, God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here on Bot Radio Network. If somebody had interest in knowing more about the programs there, more about the ministry, what should they do? Well, if you have specific interest in our media ministry, there's an easy website to remember. It's just the initials of our ministry name, D. James Kennedy Ministries, djkm.org. You can find all about our media outreach. If you're interested in our leadership training, the website's also equally easy to remember, statesman.org. One word, statesman.org will get you there, and you can get all the information about the training. Thank you, Dr. Wright. Thank you so much for taking time with us. Thanks for asking me to stop by. 